Who's the person you turn to when you need advice? The person who gives you confidence and strength? The person who's been your biggest support? The person you shop with, ask their opinion and trust them implicitly? For me, it's... Hi, Ma. Hi, Del. As a mother and daughter, we know we have a close bond, but each mother and daughter relationship is unique and different, and that's exactly what we want to explore. Each week, we'll sit down with mothers and daughters and talk about their bond, from the ones who work together to others who have survived, shared passions, overcome loss, and in general, have a great relationship that is worth sharing. This is Mothers Mothers and Daughters Daughters Podcast. Podcast. Hi, Ma. Hi, Del. What a week. Oh, what a God. week for you. How's how's I so? <laughs> so much fun. So much fun. Mm, Best gonna... blow drive my life. Oh, dear. Not. Anyway, it could be worse. I am healthy. Yes, exactly. You've had negative, negative results and the kids have been having a lot of fun. Outside the house, away from me. So yes. I'm sure they're. I'm it's sure just it's this fine. time, this time it's definitely touched everybody. Yeah. And it's a little bit scarier this time than the last time, but we're doing okay. Yeah. We're getting through it. Nobody's right. Nobody's sick. That's right. That's and the best. on our way f- to the vaccine, and you've organized the vaccine. So that's pretty uh, important. Bonus. Yes. Yeah. So we're thinking of everyone who also is in isolation with or without kids. It's doesn't matter it's still very very difficult and hopefully we're out of this very soon yes and and maybe it's good time to listen listen to catch the podca- up on your podcast yeah, podcast right. uh, if we make it a little bit more enjoyable to isolate then we're doing a good job that's right we are hopefully getting you through it give us some feedback and this week we were very lucky to speak to Erin Molan one of the busiest people I've ever met. Absolutely. And her very strong and, you know, admirable mother, Anne. I just got the feeling straight away when we started interviewing her that she is a lady who definitely knows what's right in life Mm. and how she's brought up all her children, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, due to also, as you said, you know, that Anne's husband, Jim Molan, uh, was in the Defence Force and they travelled around a lot and Erin went to 16, 16, 16 schools. schools. I mean, that in itself is a real milestone and also testament to who she is as a strong and independent woman. Absolutely, what she's become. Oh, yeah. And she also said... I asked, I remember about her siblings and yes, that's why they're so close because they really were each other's family and friends growing up because she was always on the move. move. On the move and hard to establish friendships Mm. when they were obviously um, going from place to place. And yes, as you say, the family bond is amazing. Erin is such a impressive young woman with everything she uh, takes on in life as far as sports journalist on mm. TV, a radio announcer on Two Day FM. And has her businesses. And then also she was in Canberra at the time when we spoke to her. We were very lucky when we got the interview in because she happened to be in Canberra with her mum because she had been lobbying for this bill to come in that ensures people who bully others 
on social media are held accountable Mm. and charged because she went through some really awful social media bullying, which is just absolutely despicable and disgusting, the things that were sent to her. And now if you do that because of Erin and her fight and obviously everyone down in Canberra, they will be charged in the courts, which is just a real huge feat on top of everything else that she does. she does. Absolutely impressive uh, joy to interview them. We were just, yeah, very, very privileged that that we were able to get a little bit of time from her and then she even, she was on a deadline and extended her time. And so, yeah, very, very very grateful. Very grateful. And it was, yeah, just uh, it was wonderful and, yeah, and should be an enjoyable podcast to definitely, listen to. Definitely, definitely. So whether you're walking because you can or you're at home folding laundry, a lot of or the things cooking, that I'm doing. Doing lots of cooking. Doing lots of cooking, doing lots of laundry, which is what I've been doing. Enjoy and see you very soon. See you stay soon, well. Ma. Stay well, stay safe. Can you both just talk a bit about what it was like being in the Mullen household growing up? Sure. Um, in fact, I'll probably let you start, Mum, because you've been in it longer than I have. <laughs> um, I would say the most distinguishing um, aspect of our lives as the kids were growing up was that Jim and I were married for 10 years before we had our first child. Oh, wow. So by the time the kids were sort of uh, late primary and certainly early secondary school, the army was beginning to impact our lives quite seriously. Jim had obviously made a commitment to be a career soldier Mm. um, that involved uh, taking postings, whether they were family-friendly or not. Mm. Um, uh, It involved uh, uh, positions where there were responsibilities um, beyond normal working hours for him and to a certain extent where there was a dimension of expectation and commitment on Jim's and my part that I would be involved a little bit in our Army family as well. So, I guess perhaps the army was um, more of a, a framework perhaps for our lives um, than it might have been for your friends, um, uh, you know, whose parents were 10 years younger than us, for example. Um, but, uh, but by and large, you know, there were four kids and that's what defines a family. Uh, we were lucky in that one parent uh, didn't work. Um, uh, we'd, uh, we had made a decision that uh, when one parent was... Uh, was um, not able to make much of a contribution to the family time and to being at home that uh, uh, that perhaps the other one, if possible, might be able to uh, compensate for that by not working outside of the home. Um, but uh, but there were four kids. Um, I'm sure that kept were, you extremely um, busy regardless. Yeah, yeah. There was um, uh, there were lots of army friends and, and lots of army um, hassles, you know, when Jim was away, um, lots of houses that were, weren't ideal, but they were great and they were in a community of, uh, of army friends mm. and um, they were extraordinary opportunities and that, particularly that's the case for Indonesia. Erin might like to add something to that. <laughs> no, it's really interesting actually hearing you speak because I've never really thought about the sacrifices that you've made now that I am a mum myself. Mm. You, We've spoken about the fact that you didn't work, but I look now at myself and the challenges I face with Eliza and even just the joy that I derive from doing my job and from from professional success that I always have 
enjoyed. And I, I really, it's really, it's quite emotional to think about the fact that, you know, you went to university, you were, you are incredibly bright. Mum's the smartest of all of us times a, times a million. I'm not sure that's Well, you are. <laughs> now that's um, you lovely. have multiple degrees in, in languages and um, just so incredible. I mean, anything that anyone wants to, to read well or to sound intelligent, we send to mum to give the Annie touch, as we call it, and mm. she goes through and makes us all sound smart and intelligent and that that was a huge sacrifice on your part to dedicate your life solely to your children for the first part of your life anyway then return to the web course but it was it was an incredible childhood and and being able to experience different countries and different cultures Mm. very young you only appreciate it I think as you get older but living in a country like Indonesia and in a city like Jakarta where you've got incredible poverty alongside enriched and wonderful culture alongside a government that was falling and then, you know, riots and, a, and an uprising of democracy in 1998 when the Sahara regime fell. And to be exposed to that as a young age was really incredible and really eye-opening and, um, yeah, moving around as well. So I went to 16 different schools myself. And yes, just we to, heard that. I know, I read that. And I, <laughs> what, I mean, what's that like? Because how, I mean, obviously you had your siblings, but how do you navigate friendships when you move around so often? I mean, I, I, I'm very lucky. I still have friends from high school and even earlier. So how did you how did you do that growing up? Because it's you know such a time where you you know you form friendships and all that sort of thing. I just don't think you do. I, <laughs> I'd love to know other people who mm-hmm. have had the kind of upbringing we did and, and maintained friendships from a really young age because I think it's close to impossible. I think what it does is is make you incredibly close to your family and tight knit yes. to the people that were always with you. And that was always mum, dad and, and my three siblings. And I was really lucky to have three siblings. And today, you know, they're, they're my bestest friends in the world. Oh, and, that's, that, you know, that's great. You, you, yeah, you have yeah. your moments as you grow up and that kind of thing and as you're younger. But I, I'm quite jealous when people say, oh, this is my best friend since primary school or, you know, I live next to this person for however long. But I look at the experiences and the resilience that you build when oh, you have sure. to walk into a new school at, you know, 8 or 11 or 13, that's tough. But then doing it at 15 and 17 mm. is mm. even tougher. But it builds skills that you need later in life and that equip you for a lot that you have to deal with later on. It probably gives you a lot of confidence. I mean, you walk into a room and, you you know, for you, you've you'd had to do that 16 times. So you kind of just perfect it over time and you kind of gain that confidence. So it's probably helped you a lot with work in that you can walk into a room and just meet whoever, it doesn't matter who they are, and and sort of form a bond quickly because that's obviously what you had to do is just form form friendships even though they were going to be short. No, absolutely, and that's, that's something I actually talk about quite often when I, I go out to schools and do different things where I'm talking to young people about my journey and my story. And it absolutely equipped me with the skill set to be able to do my job now and to be able to talk to anyone and to be able to relate and to engage. And as a journalist, you want people to be comfortable with you straight away because often you're doing stories with absolute strangers and you want them to trust you and to open up their hearts and their souls and, and talk to you about things that might be quite difficult or uncomfortable. And if you've got an ability to engage and be warm and make people comfortable, it makes that job a lot easier. And, and there's no one better than mum at doing that. Her ability to empathise and to deal with people is just incredible. Well, that's good. The only thing I, is, think, I, I think you certainly picked that up from your mother, though, obviously. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. you come across that way. Oh, I, 
I wonder, really, to be honest. I think uh, I remember once uh, uh, taking uh, Ern and Fliss, to, uh, who are very close, they're the closest in age, is uh, uh, 13 bit months between them. And I remember once taking them to, um, to a new school at the Gap in Queensland and uh, uh, they were both sitting in the car distraught, you know, crying and crying. And uh, I, um, uh, I took them in, I went through the formalities, um, I left, uh, I went and parked somewhere off, I then heard the bell for recess or identified the time for recess, came and got fairly close, you know, behind a wide tree trunk <laughs> to sort of watch and see if I could see them in the thing, uh, and see them in the ground at, uh, at Little Lunch. And, um, and, uh, and I was thinking this is the hardest thing I've ever had to do, you know, to send these two little ones off. Fliss was in. Um, that. Yeah, Fliss was in. Uh, oh, that's so and, nice. Um, nice. And then nice, I thought. Nice yeah. memory to have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the school ground was pretty tough. One of the things that I was thinking when I was speaking too is that I wonder if that's a little different now. Certainly, for example, uh, careers, you know, I I would never now. I met Jim before I, uh, when I was still at school, so I well and truly knew what I was, the commitment to the relationship yeah. that I'd made, to be honest, you know, within my first year at university. So there was never any aspirations of, you know, having a, a, a career as such. But um, but I wonder with email and things like that whether friendships might actually yeah. friendships that didn't Maybe. survive, um, you know, three overseas postings um, in the uh, in the nineties might well survive, you know, twenty years it's now really regardless of where you are. But, but I um, didn't. Um, I actually, I mean, I, I talk about it a fair bit, and I just have my line where I say, you know, now I can walk into any room. But thinking back, and you just mentioned then being distraught in the car, it was bloody awful mm, at the time yeah. when you're that age. It was yeah. brutal. So whilst you develop all these skills yeah. and you develop a resilience and the ability to, to do it and to cope with it, it was bloody awful at the time. And, I mean, I drop Eliza off at preschool and if she's a bit upset, I'm in the car crying for four hours. But it's so funny because I'd never imagine you parking around a corner behind a tree, which is quite creepy, to be honest. <laughs> 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 yeah. And of course, different uh, different education systems, and that was a real challenge. You know, I yeah, had languages. A who, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Who was um, a, a teacher, primary school uh, principal, and uh, had, uh, in fact, uh, uh, you know, had um, higher higher uh, degrees, and but stayed in primary because she advocated that uh, whatever the kids were going to do later in life, um, not just education, but whatever post-secondary options they might like to pursue, um, unless the primary school put a bit of fire in their belly for learning and for the acquisition of knowledge and for developing a passion for inquiry and, uh, and you know, knowledge and stuff mm-hmm. like that, then um, there was no chance of it ever occurring in secondary school. And, and so we were lucky in that uh, uh, that my sister, you know, was uh, was able to uh, give us fairly tailored information on um, what what was going to be involved in moves between states and stuff like that, and some fairly beneficial advice as regards judicious choice of subjects and stuff like that. So that was uh, that was lucky, but it was a minefield. Mm. And, and can I ask you? I mean, having a young family and obviously being there on your own, how how did you cope? How did you? deal with it I mean obviously you're a very strong woman I can see that but how, how was it for you she had three under three at one stage uh, with oh dad away in the yeah. army on her own um, with our families I just um, think that's I, I coped because we were blessed um, amongst the army families that we had we had the special needs groups 
from 1990 when Jim um, went into a, his first command appointment, I was involved in um, special needs groups. Have you any idea what it's like for um, a family with a, a child with hearing um, impairment to be told that they're going to go and live in Toowoomba or they're going to go and live at Oki or they're going to go and live in, um, uh, in uh, Kapuka? <laughs> um, can you imagine how you would... Uh, sort of um, what sort of resources you might be able to Mm. use to get information, to get placements, to get things like that. I coped quite honestly because the army puts a roof over your head. Every second second week there was a salary into a a bank machine. You know, we had had not a a great income but we had a comfortable income um, and we had four healthy children. As it turns out, we had one who um, uh, who had a, a genetic disposition to bowel cancer, which she eventually uh, uh, was diagnosed with, and we, we didn't know that. But we had four healthy children with no learning difficulties. Um, they were um, they were by and large, you know, bright and healthy. They by and large they coped with the moves. Mm. Um, Jim and I, you know, were um, uh, were a uh, remained a uh, you know a, a family unit. Yeah, a, yeah. A I was going to say couple. so. I wasn't doing it by myself. I wasn't you know I wasn't a serving member whose uh, partner left them and they had to cope with their career yes. and with responsibility yeah. for the children. So you were for the most part doing a lot of it by yourself. Oh, I was sure. doing most of it by myself, but, yeah. but within a within a framework that gave me security. Yeah, yes. Therein lies the difference, I think, to yeah. be honest. Which, I really do. And you probably were led by example for the kids because you had such a close bond and a great relationship with your husband. So I think that's probably what helped and gave them the confidence every time you moved is to go, to, you know, to be in another city. It's like, well, I'm with the family. I'm comfortable here. So it doesn't it doesn't matter so much. I think that's it. We had such a close, strong family unit and and bond that you're exactly right. Our security and our home was always our family, was always the six of us. So it really wouldn't matter when push comes to shove, wherever we'd moved or wherever the next posting was, as long as we were all together, you know, it it felt like home to a degree. So, and that that was, you know, it sounds like just a massive big suck-up job to mum, but (laughs) that was predominantly in almost every part and dad is an incredible father but the military was I'm trying to say this politely was absolutely his priority for you know the first 30 years probably of all of our lives and 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 it's time the love and the security we had at home was due to mum oh that's so lovely really Mm. and you speak I believe fluent Indonesian every day Indonesian. I, I, uh, when we moved over to Indonesia, it was at the time a massive punish, if I'm being entirely honest. <laughs> Mum was was adamant that we would learn the language and not just go to a, an international mm, school mm. from our air-conditioned homes mm. in an air-conditioned bus to an air-conditioned school, mm. learn the language and come home. Mum was adamant and Dad that we would go out to the communities and actually experience mm. a different culture and learn real Indonesian. And it, it was just a phenomenal experience. We, we had a lovely couple of young people who'd come over a couple of times a week and take us to a marketplace or take us to a kampung, a little village, and we would play with the Indonesian children in our street with local children. And it was just such an incredible way to learn a language and learn a culture. So whilst today we can kind of carry a conversation, it probably wouldn't be textbook Indonesian. It would be very day-to-day slang, which is much more, I think, valuable when you're yeah, actually get, trying to get communicate. Around so, 
I was going to say when you can yeah. travel. But yes. Exactly. Yeah. We, exactly. Um, uh, we did look, you know, when we first were approached about going, we did look and as Ern said, I've, uh, I've done some study of language and linguistics and uh, uh, we said to the kids, um, you can learn, you know, you can look and you can learn and uh, you'll leave knowing an awful lot about this place and that will benefit you, you know, in your, in your life. It'll make your life richer and might even benefit you uh, later on in life. Um, however, if you learn to speak the language, you will leave, leave here with a feel for the place. Yeah. And yes. there's just yeah. so much of a difference between a feel for a place. You'll know what it's like for a, um, uh, for a factory to man- manufacture Ralph Lauren under licence. You'll know what it's like to stand in a paddy field and to speak to a family who, um, whose whole life is going to evolve around, you know, the three iterations of, uh, of um, crops in that uh, field for the 50 or 60 years until, you know, the, the um, grandfather passes away because that's life expectancy and stuff like that. And it also gave us perspective and, and I think a lot of Australian kids, and they're so blessed, and my daughter's exactly the same at this mm. stage, she's never experienced real poverty on the street or, yeah, or no. you know, she walks down a street not worried that a bomb might go off down yeah. the road or, you know, we're so lucky in this country and I think to experience at a very young age, to stop at a traffic light and have six lepers on the side of the road begging or eight women with newborns who can't afford to feed their babies and to be confronted with that at such a young age changes who you are as a person and it it does make you very grateful and, and very aware of how blessed you are and that's yeah. something that all of us kids have always mm. have been very you know, very aware of well, in our lives, de- definitely, obviously, a life lesson and obviously amazing memories. So, it's, it, as mm. you say, it's obviously moulded the person that you've become, and obviously the siblings as well. That it makes you understand, as you say, or appreciate what what life yeah. you have now. I- and it obviously exactly gives you right. a lot of compassion too because, you know, you're both very yeah. active in terms of giving back and, and charity work. Yeah. So I think, you know, having had that as a sort of an early start to life it probably helped a lot and, and yeah. everyone is uh, reaps a benefit from Sorry, it. Sorry, and what were you going to say? Yeah. You were going to say something? Oh, I was just going to say I don't want to uh, reflect poorly upon myself and give the impression that I'm lazy, but uh, I used to say to people we first went up 92, 93, 94 and the girls were on the threshold of their teenage years and Mick a tiny bit younger and I used to say, uh, you know, I was able to sit back, take a load off and, you know, get a can of Pepsi and uh, watch uh, watch television because Indonesia took kids care of the kids' values. As Ern said, we'd be dri- driving along in the street. There was no, um, you could only speak Indonesian in the car. You could, you'd could sit in traffic for hours and hours and hours. We could only speak Indonesian. We could only speak about what was around us and it had to... Um, and it had to be about the people, you know, and what we saw. And um, and and Ern's right. You would see um, uh, you would see lepers, and you'd say, Erin, um, uh, you know, why do you think that little boy's sitting there with an ice cream bucket collecting coins and with no legs? And why do you think we're sitting in the back of a car going into the Australian Embassy Friday afternoon um, barbecue? And of course, it didn't take Erin too long to work out any of them too long to work out that that little boy had done nothing to deserve to no, be born yeah. with no legs and yeah. to a family who lived um, in slums on the side of a highway. But more importantly, we in the car had done nothing to deserve to be born into an Australian family in a hospital with a maternity ward 
and to um, have the education, the health services and the, uh, uh, and the um, opportunities in life that we were enjoying at that time. So the values, you know, I mean, we all, all parents think probably more about, you know, once the kids are healthy and, and whatever, you probably think more about the values as, as times like that as their impressionable ages uh, come, uh, come up. You probably think more about the values than anything else. And uh, Indonesia, you know, made it pretty easy. One talks about I, I was a gymnastics coach in Indonesia and I'd get US dollars, which was oh, wow. very exciting. Yeah, for I think them, I was yeah. 14 or 15 yeah, years old yeah. and I'd get a little packet in cash, which means I probably wasn't paying tax, so you might have to cut this out of the podcast. But I'd get my little pay kit every couple of weeks and mum, well, jokes, but I also think says, you know, with a little bit of pride that by the time, you know, I'd get home from gymnastics, there'd be none left because every traffic light we'd stop at, I'd be giving it out the car to (laughs) beggars and to lepers and because and as so she'd be giving them twenty dollars, uh, <laughs> you know, twenty dollars US, which is uh, yeah, a lot of money yeah. for six months. Yeah, yes, but, anyway. but that's you know that's kind of yeah that that, that awareness and the gratitude mm. that you felt from such a young age, and, and not saying by any stretch of the imagination that we're a family full of saints, not at all. But we understood how blessed and lucky we were and we understood that we could also make a difference to other people's lives from a very young age. And I think that's definitely why I, I'm very passionate about doing a lot of charity work and helping a lot of people because because I can, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yes. And do you think being part of an army family, did the teenage years, were they easier, do you think? And were the kids like, did they go through a rebellious phase or not really? Because it was too hard. Because the army was looking. It's not my fault. I had other siblings who were absolute goody two shoes, which uh, made me look worse when I I was normal. I've (laughs) said before that Felicity is only 13 months younger than Erin. I used to tell people that the biblical meaning of the word Felicity was I'm sorry about Erin. I haven't heard you say that. (laughs) I I don't know that. No. In fact, Erin was the only one who was a little bit rebellious. Um, (laughs) But... uh, but no, I don't think um, I don't think necessarily the uh, the moves or or being part of a transient community um, was was responsible for the kids being a bit rebellious. And and to be honest, as I said, Erin was the only one that uh, that was. Sarah was always fairly quiet. Fliss was pretty focused. Um, Mick was um, Mick was already flying um, when he was um, you know when he was in his mid teen or working you know learning to fly and whatever he was very um, very focused on that. So you were the only one really that um, no, like naughty. for example smoked yeah, out naughty. your bedroom window in the general's house in Brisbane, flicked the cigarette butts <laughs> down into the gutter, and I had to kind of balance on a ladder and move those uh, before the inspection. Um, uh, you know, every twelve months. There was one time Granny and Grandpa were over, and there were blinds in Brisbane in the official house and I remember just being outside thinking that I could have a smoke without them seeing but of course my entire silhouette of just doing this and I'm I'm gesturing now the smoking hand to my mouth symbol yeah that was that was a very naughty phase I I took the car once without a license I rolled it down the driveway thinking I was being very stealth to try and go night clubbing with a another underage friend. I had a, a few naughty moments, but I think it was basically be- between about 16 and probably 20. And then I kind of got my first job in TV at about 
at, at 20 and then I think that's when I kind of refocused and became good again, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. The silence yeah. is definitely yeah. yes. I'm still thinking about balancing on uh, <laughs> 19, uh, 1997 versions of step ladders and uh, getting those bloody butts out of the Oh, gutter. that is so oh, funny. <laughs> Um, Erin, do you think, I mean, you've got an amazing and I know very, very busy life, busy schedule. Do you think, you know, all the lessons from your mother has guided you into like being just so capable as you are now? Uh, it's a good question. I um, First of all, I don't feel capable a lot of the time. <laughs> you know, it sounds very Bridget Jones, but there's a lot of the time where you're juggling yeah, it. You're like juggling, I'm, and you're making it look good. Absolutely, and treading water, and just trying yeah. to keep my head above water, as I'm sure a lot of of women, in particular, can relate to, particularly working working mums. But absolutely, there's so many things that that I rely on, and and skill sets that I've developed, and coping mechanisms I get from mum. Absolutely, you know, dad had an incredible work ethic, and still does. Mm. He's unbelievable, and. I often get compared to him when it comes to that aspect and, and certainly, you know, the the drive that he has to succeed and the passion that he has when it comes towards his career and towards making a difference and, and towards achieving at a high level definitely from data outcomes rather and than outcomes, achieving. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, you could see but, that but, from your success just recently of, you know, for the online, like the social media, like, bullying bill I mean that's incredible how you know with everything that you've got especially when you do morning radio and you're starting your day so early and on top of that giving back it, it obviously it just shows your dedication to you know giving back way more and obviously you know it comes from both your mum and your dad yeah definitely and mum is one of the most empathetic people you will ever meet and the way she cares genuinely about people and, and the way she's cared about all of us I'd love to think that I've got even even 10% of that side of her and I think with the the social media stuff and that side of my life when you're in a position where something that you've gone through that's been pretty horrible doesn't hurt you to the degree that it used to doesn't mm. render you what's the word where you're you know, it, it used to really, really severely impact me. I think then as, as time goes on, you develop coping mechanisms, mm, yeah. you become stronger, you start to understand it a lot more. And once I started to understand why this was happening and the fact that it wasn't actually because I was all the things that these people were saying that I were or, or it wasn't because I'd done anything wrong and the fact that, that these people were actually the people who were unwell and sick, it became mm. a lot easier to deal with and once something becomes easier to deal with and if you, you're in a position where you can fight for change and you can do something about it then I think you know it's, it's your duty to essentially and I'm in a position where I have a voice mm. I'm in a position where people have reached out to me and, and spoken to me about losing children and spoken to me about losing parents to suicide because of things that have happened online then you feel, as I said, a duty to fight. And, and people initially when I started talking about this reached out and said, don't you dare quit, don't you give up, you're our voice, we need you. And that's pretty powerful and that's that's an incredible honour when people say that to you and people trust yeah. you with their fight to take it all the way and to try and instigate change. And I've had, you know, incredibly supportive people around me, no one more than, than mum and dad. Oh, I'm sure. Push me and support me to do this. And it's, yeah, it's been an incredible outcome. It, it's, yeah, it, it, I have to stop sometimes and think this is amazing. So many people have worked so incredibly hard 
to get these laws changed and to, to get this new legislation in and it's just been an incredible experience. And you must be so can proud, so proud of her. We certainly are. And uh, can I offer just a slightly different perspective? Erin, um, the standards of professional excellence that Erin brings to absolutely everything that she does blow Jim and I away. We sit and look at each other and said, well, it hasn't come from me. Mm. He says, it's not from me. She's all over me. She's a million times better than I. I instance to you when Erin first started doing community uh, television in Canberra, when she first started doing sport and win in Canberra, she she would sit down for hours and hours. You know, if she was going to interview one Raiders fellow who was playing his 50th game or something like that, she'd be coming in at 11 o'clock at night and saying, hey, Where's Lake Carjolico? And this guy had played for the Lake Carjolico under 17s or under 14s. And she was going through all this stuff, a lot of it not on the net at that stage. I'm not exactly sure. How she found it, yes. Newspaper articles. You phone her at um, any time of the night or day and she's, uh, she's preparing for Friday night football. She's preparing for interviews that are to be conducted on the uh, radio, um, breakfast radio. Um, the Sunday footage, you know, you can't get a... Well, you, it goes through to voicemail anytime after six on a Sunday morning. That show goes to air at 11, and I know that she's been up until 11 at night. Jim and I both look at each other and say um, the, the standards that she imposes upon herself for research um, and for, um, uh, for um, briefing herself as comprehensively as possible before um, a task that others might consider as insignificant um, uh, just absolutely, you know, blow us away. Um, so uh, we both, for, for what it's worth, um, we both advocate that uh, uh, none of that came from either of us <laughs> or a minuscule of that came from him, none from me, but, uh, but just uh, standards of professional excellence that Erin has uh, imposed upon herself and that she would, uh, she would argue are um, essential um, in her profession. What a beautiful tribute from your mother. Yeah, that means yeah, a lot. Actually, that's, that's, really so, that's really lovely. Yeah. And then on top of all of that, you then start a business with singlets for babies. <laughs> I, I mean, in your spare time, which you probably have none. I was going to say, I guess it's always the case of give give a busy person something to do, and they'll they'll get it done. And so <laughs> you're the definition of that is you just constantly keeping yourself busy and being a mum and obviously being an amazing support to your family as well because you're so you're so connected and you have such a huge like a, a bond from all your years together you know traveling around so I'd, I mean I'm just I'm amazed where your drive comes from like to get up in the morning and do all of it and not stop yeah I think necessity <laughs> In, in some in some way, in, in fact, in a large way, and I think there was a, a fair bit of commentary when I went back to work so quickly after having my first baby, my only baby, and I, I went back to work after about five weeks. And, you know, we have to pay mortgage in Sydney like every other family, and I think I had six weeks maternity leave, which is was, was common practice at that stage from Channel 9, and I'd gone off the week before because I'd been quite sick. So, you know, I think like anyone... I, I'm very blessed. I love what I do, but I also work really hard because I want to set myself up and my family up and I want to provide 
every opportunity I can for my daughter. And I'm very lucky in that my job, it's very intense and it's, you know, it, it's quite involved, but that's just in one regard. In another regard, I'm actually very lucky because I'm not saving lives. You know, I do what I consider to be, you know, a fairly important job, but I, at the moment I work very early mornings, which is wonderful. So I feel like I work when Eliza sleeps. I then work nights at Channel 9 and, and the weekend. So I still feel like I'm kind of a full-time mum to Eliza as well in between, which is wonderful. The baby singlets was basically an idea born when Eliza was born and an experience that we had, which was just struggling immensely to put a, a regular singlet. Oh, my God, it's so true. Oh, it's so it true. I mean, torture and I kind yeah. of. My boys are older now. We missed that. But, yeah, uh, that would have been really helpful back in the day. Yeah, would have been really helpful. Absolutely. And that's been the response we've had, which has been amazing. But she would be so settled and so wonderful. And the second you try and put something (laughs) over her head, she'd just absolutely lose it. So I just went to the – I had no intention whatsoever in starting a business. As you said, I've got enough going on. But I just went online to try and find singlets that opened up and bodysuits that opened up and just couldn't find them anywhere. So I thought, well – you know, if this I'm is an issue for us, it's sure to be. Well, yeah, yeah and I'm going to make it. It's been a long process. It's coming up to three, three and a half years, no longer, nearly four years now. And it, it's incredible to be where we are today. And, and I'm very proud because we give to, to four different charities. Every three or four months, Amazing. we donate a percentage of our profits to oh. four charities. And I'm very passionate about we're now stocked in six or seven different shops and we're working on other things behind the scenes. We've just got another big uh, supply of, you know, a lot of stock from overseas. We, we took us a little while with COVID, but we, in the last two weeks, just got a whole new um, supply, which is wonderful. And it's just, yeah, it's incredible. The response has been wonderful. And probably the most rewarding part of it has been babies that are premature or not well. Uh, the fact that this enables them to to be dressed in, in a way in comfort, that at yeah. least compromises their position when they're attached yes. to cords yes. and to feeding tubes and that kind of thing. So, yeah, the response has been overwhelming. They're, they're available in different hospitals as well and it's just been, yeah, it's been a real passion project that oh, I, I've learned so much and loved. That's absolutely wonderful. I know we're on a bit of a time constraint um, and I know there was probably, we could have probably spoken forever. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, and we wanted to obviously touch on, you know, obviously sort of the, you know, illness, the sadness of, of the cancer, obviously, that's touched your lives. Uh, I hope everybody is, you know, staying well or or obviously, you know, is um, getting good treatment. You know, that must be so hard for you. Yeah, look, um, we've had Sarah, my big sister and mum's eldest child who was diagnosed with bowel cancer at 27 28 years mm-hmm. old with stage three four bowel cancer and then you know recently dad mm-hmm. has been diagnosed with a, a very aggressive advanced form of uh, prostate cancer and uh, i was talking about it a little while ago and saying that you kind of think that when you know, when given what we went through with Sarah, you kind of think, okay, well, we, we got through that and she Enough. survived that and she's just an incredible human being. You think, oh, well, we get a free pass now for yeah. the rest of our lives because surely, surely we've had our one really yeah, traumatic, sure. horrible experience, but it just doesn't work like that. No, Life doesn't work like no. that. Having said that, Sarah is still here with us today and is an incredible human being with, you know, three beautiful children and, and a wonderful husband and, and dad. When seven seven or eight weeks ago we got dad's mm. news and, you know, this morning mum and I and Eliza dropped him in a radiology appointment and that seems to have gone really well. He's doing chemo, which has been really tough at the moment. The mm. chemo is making him fairly sick. Yeah. But we feel so blessed because we weren't told, 
you know, we're going to try and make him comfortable for yeah. three months yeah. and that's yeah. it. We were told we have a plan yes. and yes. there is a fight to be had and that's all we ever hoped for and we got that. Mm. But, you know, I can't imagine how this is going to be, Mum. Yeah, going, uh, going back to our child, to uh, the, when the children were younger, um, Sarah was, as Ern said, she was 28 and uh, uh, Sarah was diagnosed and within... Um, you know, in, in less than 24 hours, we were all in Swan Hill and, and we, you know, that was 14 months. Uh, she had rad, uh, radiation, um, chemotherapy, three lots of surgery and a five-week-old five baby and, um, and a little, uh, little four-year-old and, and Emily, Sarah's third little baby's in heaven. Um, and mm. uh, we were all there. Jim was, we told all the children on the Thursday night before Easter and we had to because of Easter plans for them to come in and we didn't know at that stage what was, um, uh, what was ahead of us. And um, we told them between 6 and 7 on Thursday night. Um, Mick arrived at um, uh, before 9 on a flight and uh, Felicity with, with, with Dan, his partner, Felicity and Dale brought uh, them up to the house um, before um, they were there before 10. Ern and, and Sean and Eliza were on, sat on the Hume, you know, on Good Friday for hours and hours. And Sarah and Gavin and Sophie and Angus sat on the Hume Highway coming in the other direction for hours and hours. Everyone was in before three o'clock on Thursday afternoon. Wow. And we all just, we all hung on to each other for, for quite some mm. time. And we all cried for quite some time. Mm. Then without exaggeration, we sat around um, in that living room that looked like the Muggerlane tip because <laughs> stuff was everywhere, which is exactly as it should be when everyone's home. And we just kept saying, if we were in the United Kingdom, if we were in the United States, Jim would not even have been diagnosed by then, mm. let alone at that stage have much of a chance of mm. treatment because the second wave of COVID mm. was well yeah. and truly at its peak in both those localities to say nothing of um, people who live in other parts of the world. And without exaggeration, mm. a constant theme of, of us being together for those five days and no one went any earlier than the Tuesday we didn't know was, what, uh, what was, was happening. Every, you know, it was um, just, you know, gratitude that at least we were in the, you know, at least we were in the, um, uh, the situation that we were in a country like Australia, in a locality like the fringe of the uh, uh, ACT and uh, Southern Tablelands, you know, regional cancer services, and, um, and, and that's the truth. Yes. You know, we, we, we were, you know, the... As I said, it was a uh, uh, forefront of our minds was uh, was the fact that uh, we could things could, could have been, been so yeah. very yes. very different. Yes, and I still think you know I still think and I still pray. I'm a prayer, and sometimes I I still pray for pe people who were diagnosed on the same day as Sarah in 2011, who and who got different news for Mars. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. We are lucky. We're, you know, yes. we are facing this from a position of um, fortune. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember feeling that way at all those yeah. first few days. You're, yeah. yeah. But anyway, oh, I think yeah. your positive energy and your obviously amazing bond as a family has made sort of a very difficult situation that much easier because there'd be nothing worse than to be either separated because you can't get around to see each other mm. or, you know, it's just you have a completely different outlook to it. 
and it makes yeah. it makes the journey that much harder. And I, I think that's a real testament to both of you and your entire family for just looking at it from a silver linings perspective. I think that's just really yeah. amazing. And that's to me, yeah. I um <laughs> I, I I was I'm a crier and I've always <laughs> been a crier and very emotional and and whilst all the others are much more sensible than I was a moment, I think it was day two where I was just, I just cried basically straight for I think four or five days. And my, my little brother did come over at one stage and sit next to me on the couch and put his arm around me and just say, look, Ern, I just want you to know that none of us are thinking you're trying to make it about yourself. (laughs) 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 Even crossed my mind until then. So whilst it wasn't, you know, a tough experience, it was the the hardest experience of our lives, I think. uh, And Jim is, uh, Jim is very, very poorly at the moment. I've got to say he is, uh, we feel for him uh, enormously. He's really, he's day five after chemo Mm. and he's knocked around something dreadful Mm. at the moment. And, uh, in fact, he was on uh, Paul Murray as he's want to do from time to time. Mm. One of the uh, column, one of the uh, presenters of the yes, Sky yes. Nighttime show. Yes, and uh, he described yes. his uh, his feelings on um, on Paul Murray on Sunday night as uh, as uh, having the crotch ripped out of his nighty. Oh. So um, we're talking seriously <laughs> indisposed here. Oh, I'm so it. sorry, um, but uh, mm. but uh, hopefully. He will um, last time. Uh, this lasted for about uh, five or six days, and um, and as he said, it's a, a means to an end, and uh, as such, uh, it's bearable. And he promises not to complain too much. Oh, that's uh, great. That's, that's incredible. Really, that's a, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, we're going to jump into the all about us lightning round because I know. Oh yes, that oh. you have to go <laughs> quickly. So, one word to describe your relationship when Aaron was a teen. I think we got. Could understand that. Is this for mum? Yeah. <laughs> um, one hopeful. Oh God, <laughs> that's a good. I mean, at least she was hopeful. She was yep. hopeful. That's good. Erin, <laughs> what would you say your relationship was like with your mum when you were a teen? Oh, uh, trying. <laughs> oh well. From a perspective, yeah. Um, One word to describe your relationship in adulthood after having kids or children. Uh, This is a funny word, intimate, but it's true. It is true. And it's, it's, yeah, it's true. Yeah. I'll go with that as well because it is absolutely true. That's very nice. Yeah, it's, it's just, yeah. Without, I don't want to take your time, but without, without you know, um, being silly, there's premonition, you know, there's, I just get a sense. Erin just gets a sense. And that just happens all the time. There is a very, very close bond mm. that, uh, that uh, is, um, you know, manages to, um, uh, to be transmitted in, um, uh, in texts and absences or whatever. Actually, I'll go, I'll go a different one. Punishing. Oh, and yeah. I'm talking about from... <laughs> All of our children, we are poor mum. We all bring her 28 times a day. Every time I'm on the phone to her, sorry, Sarah's calling, I'll call you back. Yeah. So mixed calling, <laughs> mixed calling. We are needy would be another one. I think yeah. you know, the I'm like that. Are, well, probably like you relied on each other, as you said, from Absolutely. such an early yeah. I often age. 
talk about Eliza getting older, my daughter, who's three now, and I, I say to people, oh, God, the thought of her not needing me anymore makes me feel physically ill. And then I think, my God, I'm 37. Yeah. I need my more than I've ever needed her mm. in my life. Oh, so I think it be, not, definitely. Not you know, in ways that I used to, but in different ways, and that's actually quite lovely. I hope Eliza and I have the same relationship. I'm sure you will. Uh, yeah, I'm when, sure. when you have kids, I think there's a new sense of appreciation for your parents and your mum especially. Because, I, I mean, I'm here all the time with my boys, all the time. <laughs> um, uh, maybe to Anne, what characteristics do you think Erin uh, has of you? Um, compassion. Okay. Hmm. And Erin, what do you think you have of your mum? I think the ability to engage, genuinely engage with people, I know that's two words. I think I just no, don't want to be boring because I'd say compassion right. as well, but I, I I look at the way mum is with people and how she makes them feel and I, I like to think that I am similar with people. And um, most memorable moment in your relationship? <laughs> um, oh, there's been so many, obviously. Uh, we went to Dubai together, which yeah, was amazing. Was um, I, I, what I think is that the holidays that we've been on as adults, as a family, mm. have been incredible because obviously you, you do them all as kids and there's been amazing memories and moments. But what I've loved is the fact that we still, obviously COVID's put a bit of a stop to it, but we still, all of us go away together on holidays as adults and your obviously relationship's different then. But it's, yeah, there's been some incredible times in Bali and different places. But, yeah, Mum and I went to Dubai, which was amazing. That was great fun. And, yeah, it's just every every day just sitting on the couch, I still put my legs on Mum's lap and oh, that's still nice. massage my feet. And, <laughs> for me, um, most memorable moment probably, Erin um, stole Jim's army-issued um, uh, command vehicle <laughs> Picked up a couple of girls and took them to a nightclub in Brisbane. Jim was away on exercise. I had to phone the army emergency <laughs> system to report that the car had gone. She was unlicensed, of course. She was <laughs> below driving age. Um, I had to phone. They had to contact Jim through radio, you know, um, secure transmissions and whatever, Jim had to be brought in. Oh, my God. Um, and um, and uh, the car was and Erin were eventually retrieved about four or five in the morning. And um, that was a great nightclub in Brisbane, LA, I think it was called, the nightclub at the time that we've gone to. Oh, that would have been just so funny seeing like everyone just rock up and be like, I'm going to take the the car back now. Yeah, we (laughs) lived in um, what was called a designated Murray quarter. So that was a general's house. Jim commanded, you know, the area north of uh, Sydney. And uh, so there's, you know, all sorts of um, really nice, really um, supportive (laughs) and sympathetic. People in uniform who had official roles to play in this coming in and out of the house at you know all hours of the day and night and uh, and well, uh, no way of getting in touch with them and that was uh, uh, that was a, uh, a memorable uh, experience. It sounds for pretty me. memorable. I wish I'd gone lower now since mm. given your answer. And and I think I'll know who's going to answer this one. Who gives the best advice? Oh, mum, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Mind you, she's, um, and Dad will, will attest to this as well, Mum's very conservative in, in advice. So I'm not talking about political beliefs yes, in that yes. sense, but in, 
if you go to mum and say, I've got two options, one's a little riskier, one's safer, mum will always go to the safe option. And uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Whereas daddy's always go with the risk. Looking for a fight, so to speak, in a professional sense. (laughs) Mm. And you know, if there's a slightly increased gain to be had, even though the risk might be higher, he'd always say, say, take the risk Mm -hmm. and and go that. So I think it's a good balance with the both of them. But yeah, definitely. But I can't remember when. I don't think I've ever given you it. <laughs> 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 no, yeah. um, is there a time in your life you wish you could relive? Not necessarily change, just relive. No, I don't think so. Uh, to be honest, uh, I look at every yeah every single thing was was a lesson or was a moment that that got us to where we are today. And there's been some really tough moments in our relationship. There's been tough moments when, when I was younger, and you go through different things. But I look at it now, and I think we we wouldn't be. The, people the mother that you and daughter are. we are today, mm, yes. or the family unit we are today, having not gone gone through those hard times and different concur. terms. Yeah. Yes. And how many times then do you call each other? Obviously a lot. <laughs> Obviously a lot. A lot. Each a lot. day. <laughs> and then for each hour. I was going to say each oh, okay. hour. Yeah. Okay. That sounds, yeah. Most of the calls do come from me. Like I'll, I'll go, if it goes like a whole day, I'll remember like, hi. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Hi. What are you have you been doing? What's up? Me? What? Hello. What? Have you been on the phone to Fliss? Yeah. Sarah. You know, we kind of. I kind of. It's funny if we don't talk. And Favoritism. So I think it definitely comes much more from me ringing mum. But no, it's it's lovely. It's you know probably yeah maybe sometimes twice a day. But yeah. Well, it's, I, it's I think you obviously have such a big family. You must always have a lot Someone of someone on the phone or a lot of news. Yeah. A lot going <laughs> exactly. on. A lot going on. We do. We do, and how lucky are we yes, that everyone's yes. interested yes. and cares for what everyone else is doing. And keeping exactly. in touch We're with lucky. each other. That's nice. Yes. Yeah. Is there anything that you've always wanted to ask or tell each other but never have? No, not for No, me. because we're actually, uh, we're very we're very open and very, uh, I guess we express ourselves when it comes to how much we love each other and That's I've always nice. been like that. I've always been a, it's quite funny, Dad, Dad in fact, I think one of the first times, yeah, something that made me really emotional when I got dad's, when we got dad's news, because dad's not really, he doesn't really talk with emotional life. He's probably like mm. a lot of men of his generation. Mm. And I would mm. always say at the end of every phone call, you know, love you, lots of love, love you. And he'd kind of, you know, if you got a lots of love out of him, you'd be doing very well. But the call that you guys made to me to tell oh, me, my God. Know, mm. I just remember it was dad, you know, no. just said, you know, I've got some bad news. It's cancer, it's aggressive and it's advanced. And I, I don't remember much of the conversation at all, at all, because it was very traumatic. But I remember at the end, dad said, love you. And oh, uh, my that was God. almost the worst, mm. worst part of it, to mm. be honest. Oh, but, you know, I'm crying no, again. No. <laughs> Yeah. Oh god, it, it, it makes me it, mom to deal with. Yeah, it yeah. makes me relive it because um my father also uh, had the same and I was seven months pregnant with my son when I found out. Oh, and, goodness. You yeah. know, and it, so it just, you know, and yeah. I very Jordana very rarely sees me cry and it's anyway true. now I'm just yeah. crying again. Anyway. No, sorry. Oh, no, no, don't be sorry. That's I mean that's, I that's what mom, it's yeah. all about. You know, yeah. it's part we've of, always said it yeah. very openly yeah. and talked about it. You know, it's um, always said yeah. love you and, and if I could just listen to that, it's absolutely and, true. But um, just go back to something Erin said. We're certainly not six Mother Teresas in this family. There is communication every day. But we're not all the same and it's not all, all 
you know, the sort of the same thing. There's vast differences. There's differences in views. There's differences in priorities. There's, mm. um, we are each our own person and um, and each with the um, independent lives. So I've got to say, if I can as a mother, um, each reasonably accomplished uh, professional lives and each lovely family lives and whatever. So we are certainly six, uh, very much six individuals who've, um, uh, who've um, I used to always think that what I wanted most for the kids was to be healthy, happy and uh, making um, making yep. a living in a way that made them They're happy, happy. Mm-hmm. at about 25 years of age. And I think each of them are, are at that, you know, each of them have certainly done that. So we're not six Mother Teresa's mm-hmm. and we're not six people who, who need to feed off each other to um, uh, make a decision about whether to have beef or lamb for dinner. Um, but, um, well, you mentioned uh, accomplished. But, As we sit here in the study, there's there's a, a lovely wall that, that has mums and dads' degrees on it and dad having graduated from military college and mum from university and my older sister who is a high school teacher and graduated I think with a Bachelor of Education from the University of Queensland my little brother what did he do engineering or something ridiculous and now he's a pilot commerce now he's a pilot virgin my sister a lawyer who graduated with a law degree from the ANU and then went over to Duke's Law School and Goodness she was admitted to the bar in America and then my, my, my contribution on the wall, I think, is a framed Canberra Times article of an exclusive I did on Todd Carney, <laughs> the Canberra Raiders. So, Mum, I know exactly where I sit in the order of a company. You don't need a piece of family. Well, I walked out of uni six times and, yeah, I, well, I think cut off every time. But, well, yeah, I mean, considering, you know, you've, you've, I think, foraged your way, I mean, really into a, a very, like, boys' club and, and, and held you know yourself really well so i think that's an accomplishment in in and of oh, itself you don't absolutely. need multiple degrees for that i mean that takes a certain no. kind of person <laughs> to put up with that so i think i think that's a pretty good accomplishment yeah absolutely absolutely well, this has Guys, been. I've, really, I've got to go. My apologies. Do you no, want to do a, a no, good no, bye? No, no, you've been an absolute enough? pleasure. Thank you thank so you much so for your time. Much. Lovely really. meeting it's you both. It's been really such a such an honor to speak to you, and thank you for and, giving your time so generously. And wishing good uh, health to Jim. Uh, oh, thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. We'll pass that on. And, uh, and we have taken a lot of your time. No, no. It's so gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're a beautiful mother-daughter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. 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 Why the camera's turned off. Sorry, guys. That's all right. Take care. Bye, guys. Lots of love. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you have a mother and daughter story that you would like to share, send us a DM on Instagram at Mothers and Daughters Pod. If you loved this episode, please subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss a new episode. Spread the love and share the podcast with your mum or sister or friend. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. See you next week. And don't forget to call your mum.